0: Hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast. Today, I do have a guest, but before I get into that interview, I would like to invite my listeners to please, if you have a story about working from home or you have an interesting career and you work from home at least 50% of the time, I would love to hear from you. You can drop me a line at april at com. Or you can go to our guest interest form, and that is at wwwyesaiworkfromhomecom forward slash podcast forward slash guest. You can find all of our episodes online and scroll through and see what looks interesting to you. Um, but honestly, just about everybody that works from home has an interesting story, in my opinion. So today we're going to go ahead and interview Jessica Reese Griffith. She is here, in, well, not here, but he, she is over in the UK. Um... And has had multiple, um, I guess, career paths that we're going to hear about. Um, go ahead, Jessica, and introduce yourself.
1: Hi there. Well, hi April, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to to be on your show. And um, hello to your listeners. So, yeah. So my name's uh, Jessica. So I um, I've done a number of roles, and I very much was office based until about uh, 2018, when I was I was an executive, and it was at that point where I was given the uh, given permission to have one day a week working from home, which was considered a bit of a, a gift at the time. And the teams that I worked with were predominantly all office based, uh, but it was an international organisation, so I had people over in diff- lots of different uh, locations. Um, and then of course COVID hit, and you know over a period of sort of 24 hours, suddenly everybody was was working from home. So. That was a really big shift at that time um, in my life. And then, you know, we were obviously all working from home um, con- continuously. Um, and actually, we we took decisions to close offices really for almost like, you know, the two years uh, where it was particularly bad. Mm-hmm. And then we opened up slowly. Um, but, you know, it's been a considerable question about how to People to get people back into the office, the, the pros and cons of actually all working from home. And then more recently, um, I shifted career and uh, become a coach working with uh, women in leadership management and leadership positions, really helping them to find balance in their life so that they can really be the role models they want to be at home, but also. Um, you know, the leaders that they want to be um, at work and predominantly, as you say, many, many people, if they're not working from home, they've got a hybrid role and uh, and are doing a considerable amount of um, work from home. So that's a little bit of my background.
0: So are you still connected at all with the office job that you had in 2018 and that
1: went remote or...? Yeah, so I so I was in that role actually until last July, so um, I left in, in July. So when we all kind of moved from working in the office to home, you know, I think everybody wondered how that was going to work. I mean, I think we didn't know what was going to happen with COVID. We didn't know how long it was going to be. And, you know, I myself had spent hours doing business continuity plans with teams about what would happen if, you know the servers went up in smoke and then of course with, with Covid it all, we all had to like do it in the space of about 24 hours and make sure that everybody was up and running at home and, and could work and I think actually you know everybody adapted very well and quickly Um, and as an organisation um, you know whilst it was it was difficult for the first couple of weeks I think it was a novelty so everybody was like you know there was high morale because everybody wanted to make it work but it was the subsequent months where it was coming long term you know it was another lockdown that was when actually it became much more difficult to sustain you know uh, the morale of staff keeping connected um you know getting things done was just much tougher I was working on a, a complex technology project and it would have been a lot easier to do things in a room around a around a board. But actually we had to find different ways of of doing things. Um, and and whilst you know there were some difficulties, there was obviously some some real positives for people. So being in an international organisation, you know, the, the leadership team were based in in the UK office. Um, that has since changed and leaders are across across the globe. But I think one of the big positives for for people who weren't in the UK is they felt that they were much more on an equal playing field. It became a much more inclusive organisation as far as those that were outside of the UK were concerned. Mm -hmm. They felt they had the same level of access to leaders, whereas before I think they always felt, well, if you're in the UK office, you're going to get seen you're going to be able to have those machine um machines by the coffee you're going to have to you're going to have, to have the conversations right. by the coffee machine you
0: might actually have a conference room where you get to sit around the table and the people that are remote might not even get to be be there
1: totally they're either not there or they find it really difficult to uh to chip in and actually yeah. that was you know a skill set as a leader and a manager that became became well-versed was actually being able to hold meetings on zoom hold space for team members make sure that it was a much more inclusive meeting and asking for input from everyone and I think one of the issues of going back is you've gone back to this hybrid meeting and of course it's the people in the room that it doesn't take long for you to forget those that are online it's really <laughs> interesting how mm-hmm. you know old habits you know die hard and so right. I think really incumbent on managers and leaders to be mindful of, of what they did learn when they were remote and to make sure that they sustain that whilst we're moving mm-hmm. back to maybe a bit more hybrid working. I
0: can't remember who told it to me, but she was saying that you know she was the only person that was remote remote on her team and that she would be there on a laptop, but the volume would be turned down and she'd be like, hello, hello, I have something to say. Yeah. And no one would like notice or hear or they'd be talking over um so yeah little things like yeah, that and,
1: you know we, you have meetings sometimes they're really long meetings and because you're in a room it doesn't feel so much but when you've got one person who is remote and you're expecting them to be on that call for four hours it's like mm. you've got to manage that meeting really really well you know really good agendas really good outcomes you know what results are you looking for so that actually people can really interact well and communicate effectively
0: well, and if you're working with an international company, like you said, um, four hour meetings, that's kind of intense, especially when you're working with people in different time zones, because people exactly. might be logging in at 3 a.m. or, you know, 9 p.m. to participate yes. in that meeting.
1: No, it's, it's difficult. And I think, you know, and you have to, you have to change things around. So, you know, we used to have like town hall meetings and we used to change the time. We used to run them twice mm. so that actually we were covering time zones and it was mm-hmm. much more fair and more inclusive so everybody had the same level of access it wasn't you know favoured towards one geography because that was when we all happened to be up and around and and it fitted with with us so you know i think that was you know covid provided a real opportunity to think about doing work differently um and it gave people that freedom and that option to work from home and that's, it's you know and i think it's you know for some of my team it was it was yeah hugely beneficial you know you don't lose hours on the commute um so we the office was in is in oxford and uh, you know getting in and out of oxford it's an hour easily even oh, really if you live just outside of, of the city center it, it was really difficult and you know childcare and being available for your family there's huge amounts of um pluses to that that kind of working also versus you know people struggling with like separating then home and work and everything becoming fused together and sitting at dining room tables etc so i think you know lots of things were put on the table to to think about and consider and you know people have to do their jobs differently and think about that
0: um, I do have a question uh, you mentioned in 2018 that you were given the gift of working from home one day a week yeah were other people um, also granted that gift um, were you working was this the one where you were working with like 400 people
1: yeah so interesting so it's so an international development consultancy so different departments worked in different ways so I was in operations and we were predominantly we were in the office and the staff were expected to be in the office um, every day, you know, 9 till 5.30. Um, only on very special occasions could people kind of work from home. And it might have been around a particular project they were doing or a particular piece of work or something might have cropped up. So other parts of the organisation work from home, the consultants, et cetera, work from home. It worked best for them. They they lived all over um, the UK and obviously overseas. They lived all around um the country that we always used to just have one office in country central hub so, so I think they was, were actually
0: more accustomed to working from home than your team was
1: yeah absolutely so for some people covid p- presented no change for them at all it's right just that they didn't have an office to go to once a month for team meetings uh some of them used to come in for maybe one week every two months just to like reconnect see people have meetings um there might have been particular but like we used to have like things like research weeks where the people used to have lots of like lots of events during the week. So so we had a whole host of people who were used to working from home, and then we had a we had another group which was really like um, HR, project support, bidding, um, IT, HR, those sorts of teams. They were all very much office based, so working from home was 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 completely different for them. A, the managers might have worked from home occasionally but it was it was a bit of a gift it was it wasn't something that you know there was concern about setting a precedent which I totally got as a leader mm-hmm. you know you've mm-hmm. got to be clear and set policy so that, that it's fair and then of course that that just changed overnight and there was concern I think about you know there's operations you need to be accessible we were doing travel we were doing security and I think people just concerned that you wouldn't be as accessible at home and of course you are um in some ways you're more accessible and and people have to be so much more disciplined with their time and mm-hmm. when they start and when they finish and and putting in boundaries yeah but it was considered a gift so I mean COVID it was a, it was a huge huge shift uh very very quickly and I think post-COVID that organisation. Is moving towards a hybrid style of working, but they're using their office space not really for people to come in and work at desks, but more about for particular meetings, events, um, networking, having team days. So they're they're using the office space quite differently to how it was before COVID, which I think is good. It's all really positive. It's good, like progressing. Um, and I think, you know, they, they want to try and listen to staff and what staff needs and staff need connection. And that's mm-hmm. what that office should provide, not, not a desk space to go and sit and work quietly all day on your own. You can do that at home. Yeah. Usually
0: some people yeah. end up at co-working spaces just because yeah. they have toddlers running around and,
1: yeah. and well, I think co-working spaces are quite nice. So I will occasionally go to a co-working space to get a change of the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, now that I work from home much more on my own like I don't mm-hmm. have a team anymore and it's just me it's it that's very that's a for me that's a very different working at home than when I was part of a larger organization
0: so let's talk about that shift that you've gone through from working as part of the big team to now you are independently working for yourself yeah on your own as the CEO or director yeah, but you ever, whatever title you gave yourself
1: <laughs> yeah everything Market marketing, <laughs> sales, copy, editor, everything. So um yeah, so that that's been a that's been a more challenging shift for me because I think when I was in the organisation, I had a remote team anyway. So I was doing a lot of meetings with people who weren't in the office. Um so whilst yes, I changed location, if you like, a lot of my actual work wasn't that different sure I didn't see people in the same way etc um but when I finished in the organizations working you know I didn't have back-to-back meetings all day I didn't have like I haven't got big presentations to to deliver I haven't got board meetings to go to um it's very much me kind of you know doing diligently working and I do have calls but it's not like volume and so I so, when I first started, it was it was actually it was okay. But then I found that actually finding it really quite hard to motivate myself. um, and I'm lucky because I do have an office space at home, which is my office, and I can shut the door at the end of the day because that was something I did learn <laughs> from in COVID, uh, working at dining room tables and thinking, I oh that didn't work for me. But I think for work, I, you know it's quite lonely, um and, you know, you, you don't always get to talk to somebody during the day um you haven't got a sounding board you know if you've got a problem or an issue um so i've done a few things differently so i i very much try and put meetings uh so that they're sort of in like morning slots so that i've got you know if i've got meetings i've got two or three meetings um I try and do it so that I've got a couple of days where I don't have meetings and I can actually go and work somewhere else. And that might be in a coffee shop, it might be in a shared space, um, depending what type of work it is, um, particularly if it's sort of writing copy. Um, you know, I it's nice. I, there's a place called Alderford Lake, and there's, I've got a nice coffee shop, and I work <laughs> the lake, and it's quite calming. Um, and I'll do that and I've got a coffee shop in the village and I'll go and actually that's quite nice because there's some people around and there's some connection and you can say hello and um, stuff while you're doing a few bits and and pieces so kind of mixing it up and different environments has been important and then I think the other thing was was just doing a few things that looked after me Um, because I think you can you know, you can get into that thing of like, you're at your desk at nine and suddenly it's one o'clock and you haven't moved and you haven't, you know, and you're like, oh, I'm so stiff and you realise that you're not doing much exercise, etc. So I do, like, I go for half an hour walk every day. I just schedule it in um to try and just break it up and do a few things that just mean I look at the world differently through a different pair of spectacles um, as I walk up the road rather than just you know looking um, at my screen and you know one of the big pros is I can pick up my daughter from school so I always have that sort of 20 minutes where I go and pick up my daughter from school and that's a real treat. And because, Can
0: you walk to go pick her up?
1: Yes yeah, like it's like five minutes maximum nice. around the corner it's fantastic and you know that is I cherish that because you know I I could never pick her up from school it was always the run home to make sure I there by six o'clock so um so that you know the child could leave on time and that kind of thing it was a very different one and so I really cherish those things and those are things that I've kept and make sure that I I have um you know been able to continue to do so
0: um you've mentioned your daughter do you have anyone else in your household that you're trying to work around um, when you're working from so, home?
1: Yeah, so I've got my daughter, who's ten, and then I have my mum, who's eighty-nine, um, and so she lives with us. She does; she has her annex. Um, as she tells everybody, she's my daughter's put me in the garage, but that's not true. It's got, <laughs> windows, <laughs> it's got windows and doors and a bathroom and everything. <laughs> <laughs> the annex. Yes. Um, so she uh she moved in with us in uh july uh 21 so she's um so she's with us and so yeah and she's not been she's not been as well as she was she had a mini stroke last november so you know her health is we have to watch her health and and that kind of thing but she's still quite independent which is wonderful um and you know Spends a lot of time in the garden, which is great. Oh, I'm good! Not the biggest gardener. <laughs> <have to> <laughs> good saying. for both of you, then. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's a win-win that one. So, um, yeah, so it's just a, it's the three of us in our household. Yeah.
0: So even though she is more independent since she has had the stroke, you are just a little bit closer to home, and able to Absolutely. help just in case yeah. and.
1: Exactly. No, and I think that's the thing. I mean, that was one of the other things is making sure that you've, you've got support around you and network So I used to live in Oxford, and we moved um, predominantly. We moved because my mum was going to live with us, and actually, um, I have a lot of family around where I live now, and that just means that there is a bit more of a support network, um particularly mm-hmm. around my mum. But also for my daughter because she's got cousins here and uh, it's just much more fun and my mm-hmm. you know niece is here and um and so you know that's the other thing I think with working at home is making sure you have got good networks around you that you've got that social that social interaction with people mm-hmm. to, to break things up and you know um when I'm working with with people about work-life balance they very much go two-dimensional on it and we'll just talk about well how many hours do at home and how many hours do it work and it's like actually you need to think about what are the things that you want to continuously work on that are important for you because there won't won't be just work and life life is huge you know you've got health you've got finance you've got your family you've got friends you've got time for yourself you know you've got to work out what are those things that make you feel like the best person possible and put you in that environment where you can really show up for yourself and those that those that you love, and part of that is that network. I think is important. Not for everyone. People have very different preferences and different needs and wants. But the important thing is you you ask yourself what's important to you, so that you can enable yourself to, to put in those actions that are going to help you.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the people that you're working with currently. Um, it says here that you are a um, a work life balance coach for female executives. Can you talk a little bit about this group of executives are they people who are in a certain kind of role or at a certain kind of organization or do you have the full gamut and they've come and find you
1: um so they work so I do two types of work so I work directly with individuals and it's it's really kind of busy professional mums and they tend to be uh, managers um, so they might be managing a team or they might be sat on the leadership team of an organization um and it's really where they've got to a point where, you know, they're feeling overwhelmed, frustrated, um, can't see the wood for the trees, feel like they're not really doing anything well, whether it's like the mum that they want to be, been turning up for their family. Um, and actually, you know, we, it's in, it impacts work, but they would feel that work wins out because you would get that telephone call from work and it's like, oh, I've just got to take this call. And then before you it you've lost an hour of time that you should have had doing something else. Um, and I think it's more it's when they're really in that that feeling of they're just surviving rather than thriving Um, and so and it's normally when they come to me is there's been a trigger so there's been a particular incident um, and it might be something to uh, at home where you know um, the relationship with their children isn't working very well and it's like they've reached a point that that can't continue there might be something going on at work there might be a promotion coming up but they know that they're not going to be able to manage it, or it might be that there's a report They feel that they've got there's going to be a performance problem at work, and they're feeling judged, and their confidence is kind of uh, getting knocked. So, um, so I work direct uh, with clients, but I also work with organisations in helping um, part of really their attention strategies and inclusivity and um, diversity strategies around women leadership and helping. well it's not helping it's supporting them to actually um, work out and facilitate what's going to work for them so that they can actually get balance. and that balance looks different for everybody um, and what works for their family and what's going to work for them at work so that they can be successful at work and a lot of it is around you know one's own mindset and one's own perception of what's happening as well as to how you're feeling about you know the day to day to day and so it's a lot around you know what are the things that are important to you where are you spending your time are you you know have you asked yourself those big questions about what kind of role model do you want to be what kind of parent do you want to be what kind of leader do you want to be what's actually important to you to achieve um you know we're so busy doing the doing that we don't often take um we don't take a step away and reflect and so for me it's about giving somebody really a gift of time and space and tools to work with them to support them to find um you know I've put in strategies for myself but that's necessarily going to be the right strategies for them but it's about facilitating and supporting them to find those results so that they can then take that journey and make those changes that's going to work for them and their their family. It's a bit it's a bit like when um you know people will say you know you're a stay at home mum or you're a working mum and I'm a bit like look you've got to do what's right for you. You know, I would not be a good mum if I was a stay at home mum. You know, I I need to work. That's part of my how I'm wired. But for somebody else it will be it will look different differently but I think it's just making sure that whoever you're working with you're helping them to be in the best possible place for them to be who they want to be and be happy and fulfilled
0: are you uh going into um when you go do work with organizations are you going and doing more of like a team workshop where you're helping like groups of people or are you doing more individual work with these executives it's more
1: one. To, it's more one-to-one one because um particularly i think when people are kind of in man- managerial leadership roles quite often it's quite a personal um situation for them mm-hmm. and whilst you can you can provide some training and some blueprint when you're really looking to help somebody make a transformation or make a big change I'm a big believer you have to work on that one-to-one basis to mm-hmm. really help that, that person. I can to... see that
0: being especially important in the executive level, because yeah. um, a lot of them, you know, their, their personal life is very private because they want to have their yes. best face forward for their work and to show that they're, you know. Yeah.
1: Um, and it's, it's, that's very true. So I, um I'll give you an example of where I felt really uncomfortable as, um as a leader was, uh when I was working in my in my corporate role, I had to go to Tanzania uh to do like a week's um it was like an event for all of the operational managers across across the organization. It was wonderful. Mm-hmm. And we'd done it previously when I wasn't a mum. And um, yeah, I loved it, I enjoyed it, it was great fun. But they wanted me to go it it's it wasn't, you know, it's not as easy as a single mum just to hop on a plane. Right. But anyway, I um I went with with my daughter and oh I had so many struggles with the whole blurring of mum and executive in one oh. and I it was really interesting because the first day I was like whoa I feel really uncomfortable because they see you in a completely different role mm-hmm. I mean you have so many roles as a mum anyway you know whether it's the you know guiding advising coaching comforter entertainer disciplinarian everything mm. um and they're so used to seeing you as you know the executive she's our leader you know mm-hmm. she's calm blah, blah. Mm-hmm. and then course, you've got a two-year-old who's got a mind of their own and oh you brought like her when one. she was two to Tanzania yes, you're so vulnerable and it was <sighs> like it was it was a really it was really interesting how I responded to it because they all actually said we think it's fantastic that you've come and you've brought your daughter. We think it's, a, it's great. And the organization, you know, is so supportive. And I said, yeah, well, I, it took me to it about day three to feel like actually this is okay mm-hmm. and it's fine and it's, it's all right. But yeah, yes. It's, it, that's the thing. You know, you tend to, you know, you're the executive and then you're, your mom, but actually they are part of one of the same, the same thing. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes the leader, we just don't show that vulnerability enough and authenticity enough. And actually that's what, that's what your staff want to see. That's what they will follow.
0: Wow. Yeah. It's interesting. I think that um, when everyone went home and temporarily um, yeah. for one or two or three years, depending on <laughs> you know <laughs> who you were and where you were, yeah. um, all of a sudden, I feel like, I don't know, I heard so many stories of, you know, people, oh, you're meeting each other's pets yeah you know, like the, the dogs and the cats and I feel like that maybe helped some of the leadership feel more human to some mm-hmm. of the
1: other employees in some ways um I think so and in much greater connection so where I used to sit I had a whole wall of lots of different things on the wall and I I hadn't even think about it and then quite a few people would say you yeah, know, well, I, I find it really interesting looking at your wall behind you because you've got all these different, you know, like fishes. And and they so it's just brought a whole different dimension.
0: Oh, when you were sitting oh. in work meetings and in your yeah. home? Yeah,
1: suddenly I had, you know, I, I had a funny clock, which I'd got from New York when I'd visited. And they were all, and they were presents and things that I'd bought from different places.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And people were, well, I, sometimes I was like, are you looking at the thing behind me, You're not listening to me? <laughs> <laughs> but um but it's yeah it definitely brings a different dimension for somebody and I think yeah it, it, it's a, you form a very different connection than if you just see somebody in the office with their job title they become more human
0: do you feel like you changed the way that you dressed when you were getting ready for work when you were working from home for that year or two with
1: that organization which yeah, is still cool, put on the
0: same, like, blazer that you would normally wear when uh, you went in? I
1: definitely, I definitely, I mean, you know, my work wardrobe now is really non-existent, because <laughs> it's only, like, the top half that gets seen, yep. um, yeah, I think, I definitely, I mean, you know, I I just, it was quite, became quite informal, I guess, Um. and yeah, and in the winter, you know, it's cold, you know, it's, it's big big woolly uh woolly on which I never would have worn. I would never have worn to the office Mm -hmm. definitely so yeah I think it was yeah it became more informal were you uh,
0: part of the organization when they started shifting back into the office or were you done at that point
1: yeah so I was there at the tail end so actually one of my last uh sort of uh tasks if you like was to go out to staff to ask them what they felt about coming back into the office Mm -hmm. and it was really different in different countries so Mm -hmm. um you know the leadership really had wanted to make a policy that was just across everybody Mm -hmm. and that just wasn't going to work you know different offices had very different requirements and actually, and then I left just as they were deciding what they were going to do. And my understanding is that actually they've allowed it to evolve to a certain extent. So some offices, people are in the office more, maybe three days a week, whilst other offices, probably maximum of two days a week. Or okay. in the office. So they've kind of, they've they've moved it. And I think like other organisations, you know, some organisations have just closed offices there's an opportunity yeah. to get rid of get rid of overheads. Yeah. Um. So I think there's also been a bit of that of downsizing, which is sensible. But then you have got to provide those tools to help people at home. So, um, you know, there's some great online, um, you know, mental kind of fitness apps, um, you know, to help people whether it's like you know a bit of breathing. Or a particular exercise or yoga, um, and I know an organisation that I'm a trustee of. They they do online yoga with the team quite regularly, um, mm-hmm. just to bring people together. And I think and that's one of the things I think that's important that people need to continue to do those things because I think some of that stopped because. The habit you know oh well we do a couple of days in the office blah, 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 but not everybody will be and you've got to make sure that you just keep bringing everybody with you nobody gets left behind
0: I know an organization that was doing yoga but it was optional and mm. when people participated they liked it but I feel like that would feel a little intrusive um if someone was asking me to do yoga especially on camera
1: <laughs> with oh, other yeah. people no, you, absolutely you've got to get to know your team to find out You know, some people just have coffee, you know, and they don't talk about work. They just talk about what they've done at the weekend. Just, it's just a different, different conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much so.
0: The clientele that you're working with now uh, in your executive um, coaching uh, with female executives, I guess, uh, would you say about half or more or less are working from home too, or a lot of them in the office? Most of
1: them are working from most of them in hybrid so a lot of them sort of do two to three two to three days in the office and the rest at home so and I think it's it's driven by kind of policy so some will do you know some will only do one day but mostly I would say it's it's predominantly hybrid okay. I said 70% are hybrid maybe 30% are entirely at home depending on size of the organization, smaller organizations, they tend to be working from home. If they're kind of a bit bigger, they tend to have kind of some sort of office. Hmm. Yeah.
0: And what kind of shifts have you seen um, your clientele go through in the last year or so as they're being asked to go back to hybrid?
1: I think, so I think what they, I think what they, what is challenging is is what they want to ask of staff so as a leader i think um you know covid was good in that people started to focus on results rather than he was in the office at nine o'clock or he was still there at five thirty mm-hmm. or he was gone at 25 past five the seats and what's but we- idea yeah, exactly.
0: But no, I said it backwards. The butts and seats. Yeah. We'll exactly. in their butt and the seat.
1: yeah. yeah. And you know, you would say, you know, and you'd hope leader you weren't doing that. But I think, you know, you do subconsciously. You're like, oh that person's not in. I wonder, you know, blah, blah, blah. and I think a lot of that went, but the problem is, is that you know, you've got to be really confident as a leader to just actually focus on the results and not get hung up on mm-hmm visibility of, of people and also who shouts the loudest because you know you'll always have some staff that are highly visible they put themselves in front of you they're really good at doing it and that's fine but you've got to be really aware of um what else is going on what other people are, are working working on what they're contributing also checking in on you know i think it was all very task focused. Now it's not. It's much more about them as a person, as a human. You know, how are things going? What challenges have you got? Not, you know, this report's due, then have you done it? So I think some of the conversation has changed being a leader. Um, and I think, you know, some people have moved more quickly with adapting that leadership and others, others haven't. I think actually leaders now leaders now it's not about you know being at the front and kind of you know i'm number one and i'm char- charting the the, ter- the the way you know i'm in charge and i'm moving but it's more about actually just making sure that everybody's on the bus and everybody's happy with being on the bus and you know where the bus is going and actually that's much more of leadership role now yes you've got you know and and i and i've always been Something he feels like you can lead from anywhere in an organization it's, it tends to come back who you are and how you connect with people and how you influence um, and how you support so I think what what the real issues are is that you've still they've still got the challenge of they want to be really successful at their job and they want to be great at home, but they're not sure where to compromise and they're trying to do everything instead mm-hmm. of going what should I must do and just dump the shits and forget the shits and think about, um, accumulatively those activities, which ones are going to move the needle on getting things further forward. Um, and I think with their teams, it's, it's, they've got to be much more empathetic they've got to be much more self-aware. Emotional intelligence is really important. And I think also young, younger, um, People coming into the workforce, you know, they're not. They didn't. They don't worry. Like I'm almost fifty. You know, I was taught you must have a job and you must stay in your job, and you know that is very important. They mm-hmm. don't have that. They'll move out of jobs really easily if they mm-hmm. they don't like it. They go. So, so you know, organisations that are all about money and finance, you know, there's to be very specific people who work for them, and that's absolutely fine. But they're not going to attract. A lot of people who now mission and purpose is much more important and i think you know for me those are the types of um of conversations that i I'm, I'm having is you know and and i also think you know there's a thing around if you're a leader you think you need to know everything you don't actually you know part of your role is actually helping others to you know find the answer um you know it's a bit like some people say to me oh you know, I, I'm the leader of the department, therefore I should know everything. And I was the chief operating officer. So I managed IT, I managed HR, but there's no way I'm a specialist in any of those areas. You know, it's my head of department that was specialist. My job was clearing the way so that they could do their job, you know. So I think it's, and that's one of the things is when people move from manager to an executive, what is the shift, the shift change there? So it's, you know and then you get the classic you know um people are new into their executive roles they try to work out what their space is how they um can influence at the senior team if the senior team is well established so there's I do work with um people in that in that sort of situation
0: I feel like there's a shift where there has been um people who have been working from like you were saying, the the people who are more willing to leave an organization if they're not happy. In the past, it seems like it used to be reflection on them them as a worker and their failure as a worker if they can't keep a job for long enough. You know, if they're working in the job for only five years and they leave everyone think, oh, they couldn't handle it. But now Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a reflection more on the company and the leadership that something was, there was a mismatch and that maybe the managers and the leaders should be looking at why are the people leaving? Why do we have high turnover? Maybe Mm -hmm. it has to do something with the structure of the organization.
1: Yeah, I mean, no, I completely agree. It used to be about the employee. Oh, well, they move around all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, da blah, blah but it's it's not now i mean i think you know people you know people aren't prepared to stick it out they'll just say well actually this isn't this isn't contributing to my life being good so actually i'm going to go and do something else and they don't have i suppose some of those limiting beliefs of like i must stay in my job um I mean, you know, that was the
0: way of our our parents'
1: generation, yeah,
0: for hey, sure. Hey, I right. mean, like, you were a good worker if you stayed at your job for 30 or 35 years.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. And it's like, you know, and and to come out of that is like, you know, that was a real big mindset shift for, for me. But, I, but the younger generation, and I find it, I mean, I've got nieces um, and nephews who are sort of in their early 20s, mid-20s. And I find it quite refreshing because they're not, they, they don't get trapped in this thing of like, well, I've got to have a job and I've got to stay there for at least two years before I even think about it. And you're right, there's some people who will go, oh, that person only stayed in that company for five years. And I'm like, five years is a really long time to, to stay mm-hmm. in a business. But actually, it's good for an organization to have a bit of bit of churn. But I think now a lot of organizations, you yeah, know, they they do run these employment employee engagement surveys they do pulse surveys to try to get a handle on how how staff are feeling I'm not sure if they're with very good at responding because well, you're going to get bogged down in these huge projects I'm laughing
0: at the surveys, though, because some of the surveys that I've seen come around um, through employment and also through um, like the schools that my kids have been part of. Some of the surveys are not written in a way that's going to be well-rounded, like people don't have the opportunity to actually fill in a blank, like, or, Mm -hmm. you know, everything is skewed toward is going to still be positive for the organization.
1: You've got to have a good survey as a base. You've got to have a good survey uh, to to start with, definitely. But I think, and I, but I think the literature there's more literature around mission and purpose and leadership is changing, and people are after authenticity. They're not after, um, you know, bureaucracy and um, that that kind of. But I think you know it's much more difficult to in practice. It's a lot easier to to talk about it but doing it in practice is is much hard it's much harder and I think you know um I think diversity inclusivity is a really interesting area because um you know my age group that it it wasn't you know we didn't talk about it a lot until maybe 10 years ago
0: you didn't talk about which part
1: sort of gender and diversity oh yeah of course inclusion yeah so we you know it was mentioned um, and I was talking to a colleague the other day because, you know, they've got their senior leadership team, they feel like they should be running it and leading it. And I, I said, well, you probably get better sense from going out to your staff, especially the younger staff. They're much, you know, they have way more knowledge, they are much more understanding of it. I just opened it up. You know just because you're in the leadership seat doesn't yeah. mean that you can't actually go and ask those that are going to be way better at it than you yeah. for their advice because because actually the world's changed a lot and and when you know we're not so we're not well versed in it as our as our younger colleagues.
0: That's absolutely true. So I think
1: you know you have to be really honest with yourself as a leader of what you do know, what you don't know, not be afraid to say. I don't know much about this, but I'm I'm going to go and ask those that do. Mm-hmm.
0: It's I mean, this is a very unrelated example, but um, recently I I was a photographer for several years. Oh wow! Um, okay. I studied photography in school. I wasn't ever like full time professional, but I did it as an amateur and a like yeah. a semi professional on the side, and I assisted yeah. some other professionals, and I could do weddings and senior photos and things. Yeah. Um, and I'd taken quite a few classes and I actually taught a class in photography at a high school, um, long story short, like a substitute teacher for, for several okay. months. Um, so I feel like I, I know some photography things. Well, my son yeah. watched five or six hours worth of videos about iPhone photography. Okay. And all yeah. of a sudden he was teaching me a lot of things I didn't know. And I've yeah. had an iPhone for like his whole life. <laughs> <laughs> and he's 10 and he's like teaching me and I was like okay buddy you actually are the expert on iPhone I def- on iPhone photography I didn't realize how much I didn't know
1: no but that's right I mean my daughter's 10 she knows much more about um you know doing videos and all of that sort of stuff on online and I would never have taken a video of myself at the age of 10 that would have been one of the last things I'd ever do um <laughs> Whereas she's way more confident because you know that's what they do. It's it's like it's a, It's kind of okay.
0: But it's, they've grown yeah, up with it.
1: Yeah, they've grown. They've absolutely grown up with it. So um, no, it's fascinating. I, you know, and that's there's been so much change in the last kind of forty years. that I think you you do have to be honest about what you do know and what you don't know and, and ask the right questions.
0: Another shift that I keep hearing and I keep seeing and I've experienced, I guess, as well, is um, growing up, I felt like the the kind of work that I was in, it was very micromanaged. It, I mean, to the, yes. to the nth degree where, you know, every keystroke that we were doing was being monitored and, you know, your productivity, because I wasn't a production-based industry. I was doing okay. medical transcription, Oh, yeah. Um, right. and they kept bringing in more and more technology to watch more and more of what we could do. Yeah. Um, you know, if we left our, if we lifted up our foot pedal, which was kind of like how we would play the recording and lift up. Yep. They oh yeah. Yep. How much, you know, how many seconds was our foot off the pedal versus down and mm-hmm. how long were the gaps and how much time did we have in between? And it was very, very controlled mm-hmm. and we were very aware of how much they were watching us. And then you were saying earlier, you know, that things have shifted more into a results-based thing. And I've talked with now, you know, over a hundred people in these interviews. Um, I keep hearing the word, you know, um, that they've been given more autonomy and that their company trusts them and that they're not micromanaging and that they're shifting away. And some of them are still hanging on to those old ways and some of them. And I feel like when, with the internet, people are aware of the fact that some companies are providing more autonomy and trust and others aren't. And then I think that's another reason that there's a lot of shift. You know, they talk about the the great res- resignation.
1: The great resignation, um, yeah. But
0: some of it is like people are like, they're gonna make us go back to the office. I don't want to go back to the office, I'm gonna find a new job, and that's one reason why people are shifting. But another reason I think is that shift in more companies are being willing to say, hey we trust you to get your work done we're going to see the results you know you you produce yeah. what we're expecting and we're, we're all going to be happy
1: i think no i agree i mean i think it depends on in in depending on what interest uh, industry it's true uh, industry makes a big with. difference i think so but i definitely i would say that um i think if you were you know if somebody was saying to me you know i want to have high staff retention and you know be considered a good leader you know one of the areas i would, would say is you, you've got to trust your staff and you've got to you know you need to tell them like where we are so we're at a and i need to get to b mm-hmm. but how you get there is up to you because that's part of why they care and why they show up to work because they own it and the moment you you take ownership away and in some in some industries it doesn't work because yeah. it's that's fine but but i think where you can you you should because actually you have a much more motivated workforce and they're much more invested because it's you know you know it's a bit like when you talk to a child and you tell them what to do they want to do it but <laughs> if they work out that they want they want to do it their own way then they'll go and do it I mean it's so I think you know part of being a manager or even a colleague, though it's it's at all levels, it's saying, well, we just need to set that result, but how you get there is you do what works for you because mm-hmm. I can tell somebody, well, I, if I was in your shoes, I would manage it this way. It won't ever work effectively because it's not their way. Um, but you can facilitate and support your colleague, and as a manager, you I think you should be facilitating your your teams. To, and guide and help navigate, but actually help them to do things the way they want to do it. Sure, there'll be times where they go, I don't know. That's fine. Well, mm-hmm. that at least give them the space to think about it and perhaps right. consider how they would do it.
0: Another thing that I've seen, um, you know, if you've got standing meetings, you know, mm-hmm. every Friday you have your team meeting that everyone needs to be at. Um, but I like the idea and coming from someone who has raised three young children while working basically full-time that whole time, I started to appreciate flexible hours more. So I started doing more of my work when I, I could, I could control my schedule when I'd have appointments and work around my kids. I would wake up at two or three in the morning and start working for, I did that for like three years. I was teaching, um, I was teaching students in China. So there was a time difference oh, okay. there, yeah. but it reduced the need for childcare. And so yeah. I would be finishing my shift at about seven 30 in the morning, most days and get the kids to school. And then, um, when they go to bed, I would start teaching again for sometimes a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so it just, you know, if, depending on the kind of work the nature of the work you know if you have a deadline on friday you need to be at the team meeting does it matter what time the yeah. workers are working <laughs>
1: i don't know no nothing i mean that's the thing i mean we i had uh, a team member actually and he, he wanted to do his um day very differently he wanted to start at five in the morning so whatever now was to do with child care and actually it was one it was like well you know what? I'm happy to give you the opportunity. You, you've got to make it work. You know, if you if you can make it work, and it's not going to impact, things, I'm I don't mind. I'm mm-hmm. happy. The problem is, it's where you get you know bigger organisations and you set precedents. and you got to then mm-hmm. you've got to be a little bit careful. Yeah. But I think, but it's important to have the, the It's really important to have the conversation. For somebody, it's important for somebody to listen and to be heard even if actually we can't make it work but they've had the they've had an opportunity
0: right absolutely
1: I think that's important and yeah in that in your sort of situation why not if that's you know because yeah it was three young children I only had one young child wandering mm-hmm. around and that was yeah that was enough to manage so with, with three young children and you can do something that you enjoy and make it work why would why can't you
0: And right now, one of the things that I'm doing, I have a couple of things in the fire, but I am helping read resumes and I do have normal business hour meetings where I interview my guests similar to this, actually, but we're talking about the work history instead. Um, So I do those, you know, between, you know, eight and five, sometimes in the evenings and weekends, if they need, um, but then I can work whenever I want. So I can wake Ooh. up early at 4 a.m. and write, or I can stay up until 2 a.m. and write. Sometimes I do yeah. both.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think, and that's, and also if you're in an organization, so when I was, I mean, I became a bit of a cropper before I had my daughter and I worked 24-7 and I oh, did. Yeah. I was a bit of a workaholic. I didn't admit it at the time, but with hindsight, definitely You can was. see that. And then when I had my daughter of course you know yeah I felt like I was jet-lagged for two years because of lack of sleep mm-hmm. but actually I had to change my habits um and I was lucky because I was in a leadership position obviously you've you got some leverage but I just started to shift my hours and suddenly I just wasn't available after certain times mm-hmm. and I just consistently did it I never said anything mm-hmm. but I just consistently made uh changes and actually after a while people like I was no point contacting." Jessica after that time because she won't respond if you want to get her urgently give her a call I know she'll always answer the phone and you can you can start managing things a little bit more um, Mm -hmm. tactically.
0: what are some of the biggest um, obstacles that you've overcome in your shift to working from home since
1: 2018 I think I think the the biggest the biggest challenge from so one of the big Perks for me actually was i found presenting really difficult and in-person presenting i got really stressed i used to find like high anxiety mm-hmm. now interestingly on a video i'm fine and actually so a really big win for, for me with covid was that all the town hall meetings that we had or the big presentations they were all online Thanks. and i that was that was a, that was something that i feel very differently about presenting having done those sort of two to three years online i feel much more com- confident that's a bit of an aside actually that was a bit of a learning for me but i think <clears throat> i think for me it was it was very much switching from looking at uh tasks to paying much more attention to people as the entirety of a person in and being very mindful of what was happening at home, what were there, what were they having to cope with. Each household had very different challenges. But actually in order to help keep them motivated, keep them, you know, looking at their results, it actually made it paid off to spend much more time talking about other things other than than work. And I think the other thing was being that coach to my own managers to help them with their own teams because whilst I had my team of you know eight managers, they'd all got teams and some of them had much bigger teams that were working to them that were you know yeah and they they weren't all they didn't all have the luxury of um, you know being able to have a room at home that they could allocate they were you know lots of different kind of working habits mm-hmm. and I think the other th- so I think, you know, leadership changed for me, um, big time. And I think, um, actually for me, I, I much preferred that sort of empathetic, um, more coaching style of leadership rather than the sort of quite task focused element. And I think the other challenge though for me has been definitely about connection. So, um, Whilst I was in the corporate world, I it wasn't such an issue. It's been much more of an issue since I've been working for myself. And I do break up my weeks now. I change, I do change where I'm working. Um, I make sure that I have some social time. I also make sure that um I am breaking off, you know, breaking off properly and shutting the office door and keeping the laptop in in the office and not blurring the lines between that work and, and home. Mm-hmm. That was a real problem when I first started working from home. I mean, I yeah, the laptop was out all the time. Mm-hmm. I used to wander off and before you know it, you spent half an hour at the laptop doing emails and my daughter was like, well, aren't we watching the film or, you know, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. And it's like, ah, oh. so that was, you Know and I think lots of people, you know, people got burnt out because they just ended up working much longer hours. Because you, when you're in an office, you, you do stop to talk to people, and you know, I used to have people pop in and you'd have a chat, and mm-hmm. you know, da, da 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 da, and actually it was downtime. Whereas at home, you just focus by your machine. Um, so I think I've had to bring in habits to help me, um sort of optimize my time if you like at work without getting into that overworking burnout tired um element a bit of a ram rambly answer that
0: <laughs> kind of I mean my whole podcast is rambly <laughs> and then um I do always like to ask people you know if you're talking to someone who's thinking about working from home for the first time and it's, it's almost impossible to think, you know, or it's, it's weird to think that there are people that haven't yet, but there were a lot of essential workers who were working, yeah, you know, definitely. in, in stores and, you know, yeah. packaging or whatever um, factories, even throughout the yeah. entire um, pandemic who might be thinking about that transition. So mm-hmm. do you have any advice for someone who's thinking about working from home for the first time, especially keeping in mind work-life balance type things?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think because what I would say to somebody is, is to almost write down what they think is going to be the problem I think one is like what do you think are going to be the benefits of working from home and where do you think you might feel challenged working from from home so you know if you're somebody who really likes to be around people and you're an extrovert and you kind of get your um your motivation from others you know I'd, I'd be really honest about that and think about before you do it how you're going to make sure that you put that environment in place so that actually it it works for you Um, so i think connection with people is really important i think how you get how you spend your your day like if you're in an office environment what do you how do you spend your day can you replicate that at home or is it going to be quite different work is that work going to be okay for you um and it's so I think there's a thing about the type of person you are and what where you get motivation from type of work is it quiet work that you're going to be doing then that's probably going to be okay or is it you want to be bustling so you need to have lots of calls going on in your in your diary I think what's the environment like at home um and is it you know and are you far from your co-workers you know can you meet someone for a coffee can you actually go and work together in a coffee shop for an afternoon because you're doing like a project plan, et cetera. So I think, um, and I, I designate designated space at home, if you can, I would absolutely um, advocate, but I I would take, actually I just take a bit of time out and write down what what's going to be important to, to you to have whilst working at home so that you you've got those three or four things you've kind of thought them through before you take you take the plunge Mm -hmm.
0: I'm an extrovert and I have worked from home for 13 years yeah you know you have to be a little bit proactive in figuring out how you're going to get your social you know time for me even having this podcast it gives me opportunity to talk to people um and you can seek out work that lets you do the things that you enjoy absolutely yeah. or you know, do all of that in your personal, um, life. So actually hang out with real friends, not just your work friends. I mean, obviously work friends can become real friends too, but, um, you know, you don't have that commute. Now you might have an extra hour to go for a hike with your real friends.
1: Exactly. And it is, but I think, and I think that's the thing. It's just, it's almost self-awareness about who you are and what's important to you. If you think about that in relation to being at home, I think you'll be fine. It's when you just don't take that time to, to think about it and suddenly, oh, I didn't think about that. I didn't think about that. And I would say, talk to people. There's lots of people who um, work from home and, and they've all, you know, and everybody's put in different things that work for them. And you can probably find three or four that, that sort of resonate with you as a person and think, yeah, you know, if you're a workaholic, I'd be like, just rethink about how you're going to stop work. And start your evening because if otherwise you'll just work all the time and before you know it you're you, you're fried you know that so just be honest about you know your work patterns and and um yeah and, and think think it through because I it's totally manageable and you know we've all a lot of us have done it um and there's some real pluses I mean you know like today um. It's like it's sunny here. Like we haven't seen hardly any sun at all. So it's it's sunny here today, and I got some lavender plants for the weekend, and I just took ten minutes out and went and planted a couple of lavender pots. And it was just really nice. Ten minutes doing something completely different, rested my mind, and then you came back in and and carried on with what what I was doing. And you know, you can do bits and pieces like that. It's quite fun.
0: But it's actually good for your health. And so if you think about this from a perspective of if I just st- stayed staring at my computer the entire time, your mm-hmm. eyes are going to be fatigued. You're going to start working more muscles. You're going to start getting like, tension headaches and things. So just walking outside and doing something yeah. where you're looking into bigger spaces, it helps relax your body um, yeah. and move your muscles. And so actually, when you come back to work, you'll probably be more productive.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes, I don't know about you, but, you know, sometimes you, you know, you might have a meeting that's coming up and because you're at home, you know, you sort of, you trundle along and you don't feel so pumped up. Whereas if you're in the office, you'd be like, and I just, I've got a few music tracks that I put on and I just like listen to a bit of music, gets me in that mood, upbeat, positive, ready to go. So there's lots of things you can pull on that just help you almost get in the right frame of mind for that particular task or particular activity or particular conversation. And it's just self-awareness about who you are and, and what's going to work for you.
0: I need to make uh, a playlist for for work, it sounds
1: like. <laughs> yeah, No, I have got a playlist on Spotify, but they, and it's music that, you know, gets me in a peak state to really give my best at whatever it is I'm about, about doing, it makes a big difference. It really helps. I
0: like it. It's okay. Different. And any final thoughts before we get your contact information?
1: I think, I don't think so. I think, I think I would just say, you know, to anyone who's thinking about it, you know, the fact you're thinking about it is obviously something that's appealing that you want to try And you won't know until you try, but there are many things you can do to make that transition really successful. And so go for it.
0: Jessica, are you working primarily with female executives out of the UK area or are you working with international clients? It's
1: internationally, so it's globally because it's all online. So um, yeah. so yes, it's, you know, female busy professional mums who are trying to balance balance life and work but who but it is about getting to that point where you're feeling fulfilled and you are you are who you want to be and you're that role model for your children and uh and leader at, at work and yes and i can be contacted on email which is um jessica at dot jessica com, and i have a website um www dot Jessica griffithcom which provides a bit more information. But I would say to anyone who wanted to learn more, just to drop me an email. Um, and I, I normally just do a free 30-minute uh quick session and you know, and if that even gets people to make a small shift and they can start to move in the right direction, that's wonderful.
0: Just for the fun of it, I'm gonna spell it out because um if a listener is trying to write this down, it's Jessica at Jessica Rees and that's um J E S S I C A R H Y S Griffith G R I F F I T H That's um,
1: right,
0: yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, don't want anyone to miss that because Rees, <laughs> I don't know the name Reese. That's um
1: it's, it's Welsh. So is I it Welsh? Okay. Yeah, my father is Welsh. So it's yes, it's the Welsh Welsh part. My mum's English, my father's Welsh. Like, Here yeah. in
0: Arizona, we have R-U-I-Z, Reese, oh, but that's okay. like,
1: you know, from
0: the Spanish speaking families. Yeah. So, okay. Oh, okay. And just a reminder to my guests, again, as I said at the beginning, i say it again. If you also have a story that you want to tell about working from home or just um, thoughts um, about your lifestyle and ways that you've um, overcome some of your obstacles along the way, I would love to hear from you at april at yes, com. All right, Jessica, thank you so much for sharing your, your time with me. And I know it's about probably about dinner time for you there in the UK.
1: It is, but thank you, April. It's been a real pleasure. All right.
0: Well, we will see you next time. This has been Jessica Reese Griffith with April Malone at Yes, I Work From Home. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye.